Welcome to Book Chatter, a monthly book club podcast sponsored by the Longmont Public Library. I'm Barb, your host for this episode. And with me are Denise. Hi. And Edward. Hello. To discuss our latest pick, Denver Noir, edited by Cynthia Swanson. And spoiler alert, as is our want today, we will be discussing this anthology in its entirety, though we probably won't have spoilers for every story. But at any rate, if you haven't finished reading Denver Noir yet, you might want to come back to this podcast once you've done so. But before we dive into Denver Noir, I think it'd be fun to share what we're reading, or at least hoping to read at the moment. And uh, I can kick us off here with uh, my latest read, uh, which was a book on fasting, of all things. The Oldest Cure in the World, Adventures in the Art and Science of Fasting by Steve Hendricks, who, by the way, is a bolder author. And uh, I particularly enjoyed his... Um, it kind of reminded me of Michael Pollan and how he experiments on himself in books uh, like Changing Your Mind, where he actually tries uh, some um, psychedelic drugs. Uh, Steve Hendricks uh, had some health issues that he was dealing with, and he experimented with fasting and came up with some pretty extraordinary results. Uh, my to be read, this was just gifted to me, and a shout out to my friend Carla, who gave this to me as a birthday present. Uh, Dearest Sister Wendy, a surprising story of faith and friendship by Sister Wendy Beckett and Robert Ellsberg. Um, Edward, uh, what are you reading these days? Uh, right now, I'm working through the Expanse series on book number eight, mm. um, and it kind of ties in a little bit with what we read here. One of the main characters <laughs> for like the first three books, I believe, um, is a detective on one of like the space stations. Oh, um, fascinating. So, it's, you know, I got some glimpses of that, So, uh, mm-hmm. which is very contrasting how I felt about that character and how I feel about what we're going to talk about oh, today. Oh, boy, so we're going to we'll, dig we'll into that. Yes. <laughs> and Denise? Um, so I'm actually rereading the book we're going to be doing for our next podcast. So I won't oh. say a ton, but I am reading Full Body <laughs> Burden. Mm-hmm. Um which actually does have, which we'll talk about a little bit, some ties into Denver Noir that we're discussing today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first time you read it, it's kind of like the first time you watch a movie or something. You get certain um, layers and then mm-hmm. the second time you get deeper layers or you kind of look back, oh, yeah, because mm-hmm. your brain's kind of let it percolate. But right. it's, it's been a couple years, so, and I don't have anything specific on my to read except I have about you know twenty pages that I keep adding to my list. So <laughs> I'll need to need to go back and pick one more specifically for that. Uh, let's uh, hear a little bit about the editor of this uh, anthology and about the book itself. Cynthia Swanson writes literary suspense, often using historical settings. Her debut novel, The Bookseller, was a New York Times bestseller, an indie next selection, and winner of the 2016 Willa Literary Award for Historical Fiction. Swanson's second novel, the USA Today bestseller, The Glass Forest, was noted in Forbes magazine as being one of the five novels with a remarkably strong sense of place. And this is going to play in a little bit uh, in what we're talking about today as well. Strong sense of place. Pardon me, Cynthia lives with her family in Denver. Denver Noir is a recent addition to the Akashic Books award-winning series of original noir anthologies launched in 2004 with Brooklyn Noir. 
Each book in the series comprises all new stories, each one set in a distinct neighborhood or location within the respective city. Colorado author Sandra Dallas, in her review of the anthology for the Denver Post, says, and I quote, The book features 14 writers, among them Peter Heller, who writes about a psychopath who trolls Sloan's Lake on a paddleboard, and David Heskin Wanbill Waden tells of a down-and-out lawyer who thinks he's hit it big. Together in Denver Noir, these authors pen a diverse look at the underside of Denver. And Carl Wolf in the New York Journal of Books says, and I quote, Denver Noir is a fascinating exploration of this sunny city's dark side. Mountain views, a roughneck gold rush past, and stories of murder and mayhem make this anthology a must-read for anyone curious about Denver and its environs. And also, congratulations to the authors of this work. Denver Noir is this year's winner of the Colorado Book Award for Best Anthology. So, uh, it's time to throw a few stars at this. Uh, Edward, could you start us off with your impressions? Yeah, I'm going to go against the grain here. And <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fine. I, I would say uh, probably two stars um, mm-hmm. on this book. Uh, there were definitely stories in the book that I did like. I very much enjoyed but the rest of the book, I did not. Um, a lot of the stories seemed uh, seemed a little bit just slapped together. And here you go, something kind of would be reading on, you know, like on a Reddit, subreddit with, you know, just like creepypasta, stuff like that. A lot of them mm-hmm. read like that. Um, but a lot of them were great. Like I said, that I really enjoyed. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, caveat there, I'm not a huge fan of uh, noir myself. So mm-hmm. that's... Probably take what I say with a grain of salt, just because I, I don't <laughs> do not enjoy the genre. <laughs> you bet, Denise. Your thoughts? So um, I came into this with I think not quite an accurate um, understanding of what noir is fully. Mm-hmm. Um, I read previously like a YA noir book, which actually had more to do with like um, noir movies. Oh, yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, like black and white movies. And then the description um, made me think a little bit more historical. Mm -hmm. So I had in mind that a lot of it would be set, you know, 50 to 100 years ago and that sort of thing. Okay. And we did have, we did have that. Yeah, sprinkled in. Yeah, Yeah. certainly Mm -hmm. not the majority. So um, I was surprised um, and I tend, to not read things that are more intense and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And so it was a little more on the violent, mm-hmm. dark spectrum than I was expecting. It definitely stretched me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I work. was still able to sleep, which good was good. <laughs> but I, I'd be the first to admit that I am just a wimp when it comes to certain things. Mm-hmm. But I also very much enjoyed the place settings. I think the descriptions of the places were good. Mm-hmm. I would have also liked to have seen it in some of the stories brought in a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, a little bit okay. more than just a cross street. Mm-hmm. Um, so some references to anchor it more mm-hmm. to Denver. Some were very good about that. You uh, were yeah. definitely on Colfax. You were definitely, you know, in that mm-hmm. certain place. Yeah. Um, and so I gave it about three and a half stars. And mm-hmm. some of that is just, like I say, my own 
personal reading um, comfort level. Mm -hmm. But also I grew up in Denver. So I was Ah, born and raised in Denver. And so it definitely – they definitely brought me to a place and a Mm -hmm. time even if I didn't totally identify with what was – couldn't personally identify with what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did think those were very nice, about three and a half stars. Okay. Gee, I guess I kind of shoot for the middle. I – there's certain points both of you said that that resonate with me. I am not a big noir fan. This is not something that I would pick up and read uh, for pleasure, I guess. Uh, and it did stretch me. I think the uh, the definition of noir here was pretty loose, actually. So some of the stories, uh, you know, they, while some had you know the typical gumshoe detective kind of character and maybe a femme fatale, and you know those those bits of distinctives that make a noir story noir. Um, but uh, yeah, some of them really kind of played with the idea of what is noir anyway. And uh, so those were some of my favorite stories when they kind of went away from the tropes and, and the, the, uh, the typical noir story mm-hmm. and played on a different aspect. And uh, we'll get into that more later too. But I, I would give it about three stars because I had a mixed reaction to it too. There was one story that made me so mad I didn't know if I was going to be able to finish yeah. the book. And uh, I was just so uh, angry about what happened to the main character that, oh, man, mm-hmm. this was not – just and I think well that points out a little bit about the whole genre, doesn't it? it are, does. are we going to discuss what that story was? Oh, we might. <laughs> okay, I, I, I want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to know that too. Okay, um, and you know, you touched on this too, uh, Denise, about uh, what is noir. Anyhow, uh, it might be good to give people an idea of what uh, a, a noir story is supposed to be. I think most people have had more experience with film noir. I can think of some right off the top of my head with Humphrey Bogart in them, like mm-hmm. uh, the Maltese Falcon. Uh, was he in The Big Sleep too, I think? Or who's that? I think it was. Yeah. And and they have a typical air. There's um, a lot of uh, darkness. There's a lot of use of unusual lighting. There's strange camera angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you get some of the same bits that you do in the fiction as well uh, with a uh, – well, you have a darker tone. You have uh, moodiness. Um, there's uh, the ambiguous uh, moral sense of the mm-hmm. tale. You have uh, unreliable narrators that you know you may not actually know for sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, – they tend to be broody outsider figures. They are thrown into situations where there's no easy, good outcome. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what noir is all about. But it, despite all that, it's a very longstanding popular genre right. of fiction. Um, I'm wondering, uh, are you guys familiar with Watchmen? Um, like the graphic novel yes. slash movie? Yes, Would yes. that be considered noir? I think Especially you're around to like something. Especially around the Rorschach, too. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, yeah. 
yeah, kind of yeah. like birdie. He's kind of like those so. people down elevator shafts. And you're like, hmm, maybe good people shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can't go in expecting like a happy ending or even right. in some cases like a neutral ending. Mm-hmm. Even it, that. Yeah, definitely left me feeling conflicted and chewing on it and kind mm-hmm. of going, I don't like this feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't really want to be super analytical and introspective because mm-hmm. I'm – you know, tired or whatever it may be, right. but but I think given the right frame of mind, um, mm-hmm. might have been better. But yeah, I'm I am more of that happy ending person. See, Same. I know that, now that you mentioned that, um, I think that's one of the things what I really got tied up is that I I was expecting something, some loose ends. Uh-huh. You know, where like they never mm-hmm. get wrapped. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt this is where a lot of those stories felt short. Here was that I oh. think that's what they were going for. It's mm-hmm. like the, the, the loose ends were never tied up, mm-hmm. but it almost seemed the way a lot of these stories delivered it was like, I'm just going to stop writing here versus this is a, a – there's a reason this is not this tied is, up, it's right? Stop. It's literally yeah. like I just stopped writing type of thing and that's what I felt like a lot of stories was like I, oh. they, they, didn't yeah. know how, they didn't know how to properly leave it open-ended, so <laughs> they just left it open-ended. <laughs> they just left it. Okay. <laughs> Chopped. Yeah. Sure. So mm-hmm. like too many mm-hmm. loose ends and not enough sort of – funneling it back to a purpose mm-hmm. right. or, or a cost was like why is this a loose end type yeah. of thing because sometimes like this is a loose end because we just don't know mm-hmm. right and it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. It, it's in the it, in the context of the story it's there it's th- this is purposely a loose mm-hmm. end versus like right mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay yeah mm, i yeah. got it i got agree it. yeah and that can be kind of uh unsatisfying mm-hmm. it leaves you hanging and you want more um Anyway, uh, just just a final note. Some common traits of uh, noir fiction are fast pace, action packed, plot lines. Again, moral ambiguity. You don't know. It, um, you wonder if the uh, the characters uh, who are the protagonists um, uh, have a sense of right or wrong, <laughs> or what happened to it. And uh, the characters are are driving the storyline. Often, you have. Uh, uh, the story told uh, from the first person singular. Mm-hmm. I did this. I felt that. And uh, just if you're interested in further exploring this genre, we're going to add some links to our, our notes at the end, uh, some articles about noir fiction, uh, some outstanding authors to know about, classic and contemporary. Okay, on to some discussion here. Uh, first question, which of the stories in this anthology did you like the best? Do you want to start us off, Edward? Yeah. So uh, there had to be one, right? <laughs> no, there was there was actually three. Uh, oh, fantastic! Three I really enjoyed. One that was like I liked, and then, and then at the end it was like, eh. um, <laughs> but a life of little consequence. It's that story with um, the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she basically sees somebody commit a crime, yes. and then. Um, you know, the guy, the, the person that commits a crime comes to visit her mm-hmm. and then basically is like, oh, I didn't commit the crime. And then they have a passionate, you know, mm-hmm. scene and mm-hmm. he thinks like, oh, yeah, no, this can this guy. And then, you know, he basically lures her out to an alley and murders her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just caught me completely off guard. And I really liked that aspect because oh. I was I was literally, uh, I think the main character's name was Lavanda. Lavanda, I, yes. I literally was in her mindset. I'm like, no, I'm Lavanda. And I I, oh. I liked how the author got you into that position. Absolutely. We're like, oh, yeah, no, I trust this guy because Lavanda trusts him. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that 
was misplaced. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was, it was you know, you, you get upset about the character's fate. But at the same time, it's like, this writer really was here to make you feel, in a way, almost, like, dumb. Gosh, <laughs> yes. like, How can you trust this guy? You, yes. you should know better. And, <laughs> and then you do. Exactly. You do in the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Denise, uh, did you have a favorite? Or I also had a few. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I liked pieces everyone everywhere oh my um, that was in my top three so. I, and i think part of it was just the more historical but also mm-hmm. it had that you know she goes through so much mm-hmm. and then at the end it's like but out of that it was almost kind of a phoenix experience mm-hmm. out of that she's no longer afraid it's like the worst has happened mm-hmm. um and so she turns that into um becoming a reporter yes and just saying hey you know this isn't okay. People need to know about this. Mm-hmm. So, um, which there's, it, it kind of goes with a little bit more of an overarching theme of the mm-hmm. West. Mm-hmm. There's definitely rags to riches to rags. Mm-hmm. And then there's yes. also people coming in desperate and trying to, you know, trying to make something of their lives. And some are more successful than others. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely got a few strikes against her, you know, being gender and yes. being poor and yes. not having family around. Yes, yes. Um, I also uh, liked Ways of Escape where, mm-hmm. you know, she gets on the train and she's she knows the PI is going to be after her. She knows so much mm-hmm. about what's probably going to go wrong. Right. But yet she's got that goal in mind of going to Union Station and the descriptions of Union Station are just spot on. Fantastic. And tying mm-hmm. it to the Tattered Cover bookstore. <laughs> All that, yeah. Someone somewhere had to mention the Tattered Cover. Mm-hmm. Like that just, you know, to me it's mm-hmm. not – There's certain things. In Denver, yeah. Absolutely. There were a couple more too. Um, the one that was about Sloan's Lake was was – Oh, it's, it feels like oh, okay. Could we say unreliable narrator there? Yeah. <laughs> yes, so, Edward. Yeah. So the slow lake one, the same thing. I it, with me it was I really liked it, and mm-hmm. at the end I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah. I need to I need to know more now because it's just the narrator is like, mm. all right, this guy's a sociopath. We need to know more. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. That was one of those where you would loved it. Let the author continue or or flesh it out a little more. It was so tantalizing, uh, and to and to kind of get in again into a character's mind, uh, and and see this perspective that they have over a seemingly calm, placid lake, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it becomes so evil. It's almost a, a evil character in itself. Can I can I make a note? Oh, mm-hmm. you bet. And is uh, so I found myself. Uh, Really, really trust trusting like the the narrator, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if that's from you know reading all these other genres where you like the narrator is always the good person, the trustworthy mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm wondering if that's like a core thing of noir. You could say is like mm-hmm. the the narrator is very ambiguous. You you mm-hmm. probably should not be going in. Yeah, full on. It's like yeah, no, Thinking this guy's my this friend. This guy's telling you the <laughs> truth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good Absolutely. point. Yeah. Well, um, the next question, I think, was about the story you liked least. And you're going to love this, Edward. My f- least favorite <laughs> was A Life of Little Consequence. <laughs> Same story with Lavanda. And I, I, I think this brings out another aspect of noir that um, the uh, plot twist 
the, the, mm-hmm. the thing that, that just takes the story and rips it in another direction can be very um, gut-punching. Mm-hmm. And I, I just – I was so – angry on behalf of LaVonda for the way that she got totally taken in many senses and uh, that this uh, supposedly trustworthy person that she had thought she had seen commit a crime uh, came back and, and got rid of her. Yeah. And I, I was so just incensed. It was uh, an outrage to me and uh, I didn't like that story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit happier, you know, with stories like Ways of Escape, uh, because it's or and the one pieces of Everyone Everywhere, where it seems like uh, the the really almost impossible situation that the protagonist has been thrown into somehow at the end gets redeemed, or you see a glimmer of hope mm-hmm. that that this isn't all going to just go downhill from here, and I really appreciated that kind of variety. In, in the stories yeah. that were in this collection. If they'd all been downers like that one, I wouldn't have made it through the book. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't make it through the book as it is. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, and the other thing was I liked Pieces Everyone Everywhere because it didn't just talk about – like I mean just have it uh, – the place in Denver as a – just a beginning setting. Mm-hmm. But – the thing is that was really one that brought out the history of where you were because anyone who's lived here any amount of, you know, long enough mm-hmm. knows like when I was a kid, you know, my mom took me to Cheeseman Park and mm-hmm. I remember sitting on the bench and mm-hmm. we were eating lunch and the squirrels were obnoxious. <laughs> if you don't know, the squirrels in Cheeseman Park are absolutely fearless. Shameless. They will steal your lunch. <laughs> yes. They're like worse than Grey Jays. Oh, um, so they're kind of cute and then they just get like a foot from you and they stare at you with beady little eyes and they want to take your food. Mm-hmm. But more than that is the lore of the ghosts and the lore yes. of the bodies that may still be there because mm-hmm. it was a graveyard that they decided, hey, we should make a park here. Yeah. So the way that they went about removing the bodies was everything from extremely respectful and well done depending mm-hmm. on the connections and power involved right. to pretty – you know, what we would consider horrific and disrespectful and terrible ways mm-hmm. of removing them or leaving them um, just because of, you know, again, extreme power. And mm-hmm. I want this for my reputation. I don't care how it gets done. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are – that's true. So you bring characters into what really did happen. Right. Um, but I really did not like the one with LaVonda. Mm-hmm. And I also had a real hard time with um, – El Armero? El Armero. The yeah. last story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, partly, I mean, he touched on Globeville, mm-hmm. which um, definitely goes back to the history of mining. It was mm-hmm. – the globe was a big smelter and it was very large and round. Okay. Ergo, it was called the globe. Mm-hmm. Got it. And – Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, those Colorado History College classes are – There you go. <laughs> um, but it was along the plat and they had several and you lived where – the smelter you worked at, you lived there, mm. kind of like a mining camp. Mm, so okay. the, yeah, so the city of Globeville is that's what it came out of. Gotcha. And so a lot of people lived there for generations. Mm-hmm. So we talked about you know certain groups that had lived there before, but you really get that generational sense. Mm-hmm. None of those people were ever rich from the beginning, right? Yeah. And so you have that perpetuated um, poverty mm-hmm. and crime. 
but then the direction that this takes it was even further and mm-hmm. I just was like when you like please tell me he's not really going to shoot the guy yeah yeah but you understand why yes and it was just too heart wrenching for me mm-hmm. to you know really grasp like this person doesn't have a choice because we're like well you always have a choice yeah but that's a different perspective. That's mm-hmm. my head and I didn't live – I mean I certainly mm-hmm. did not grow up rich. Mm-hmm. But I didn't grow up in this kind of areas either. And right. So you have to stop and try to think about it. But my brain mm-hmm. just like I don't want to go there. I yep. don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yep. yep. So. Oh, I get it. Uh, next question is which similarities do these stories share and how do they tie together? And. I, I think, uh, well, two similarities come up right in the title, Denver and Noir. You know, you've got a setting, so you have a sense of place that's going to inhabit every story. And yet uh, I, I appreciated how the authors, like you were just saying, brought out the particulars about the neighborhoods that they mm-hmm. were placing mm-hmm. their story, their characters in. Mm-hmm. And um, – yeah, the noir part obviously ties everything together. But again, I, I think it's worthwhile mentioning, uh, if you haven't read this book yet, uh, just the astonishing variety of mm, flavors of noir that you get in this collection. It's really varied. And uh, that was part of it that kept me reading. I thought, you know, once I experienced a few, well, the next story is going to be different, so I'll <laughs> yeah. keep reading. Uh, so there were those kind of things. Uh, but also the um, anthologer, uh, the editor, Cynthia Swanson, I thought did a, a tidy little job of breaking them into uh, sections. So there's four or five stories grouped around mm-hmm. um, a, uh, I guess, a title or a section. And uh, I'm already blanking out on Almost what like they a theme, are. Right? Yeah, she yeah. kind of group the stories based on a theme. And so for uh, part one, you have the longest wickedest street and everybody knows around here that that is Colfax. Colfax. (laughs) It's a 26-mile long street. Uh, And uh, by the way, they do run marathons there. But it's it's got this character of uh, being one of the wickedest places in Mm -hmm. town. And so Mm -hmm. there's four stories that kind of wrap around that. And then the second section is called 5280 or 5,280 feet, which is how high up we are here, and uh, various aspects of uh, being a mile-high city. And then the third one I thought was a, a, a cute little nod to a film from 1995. Did anybody catch this? Things to do in Denver when you're anyway, dead. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. She's riffing off that. She says things to do in Denver when you're young. Yeah. Because the last group of stories are all about uh, kind of a, a subgenre of noir is coming of age. That the the idea of you know a young person finding their way in the world is a pretty popular uh, subgenre of noir. So yeah, there were. There were tie-ins thematically, I guess you'd say, mm-hmm. uh, in addition to the sense of place. I almost feel like pieces of everyone could probably have uh, been in that, in that last subsection. Yeah, too, exactly. Just because it's coming of age. Oh, is, uh, it certainly was. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well, and, in, you know, um, I haven't confirmed that it still is, but um, for a long, long time, I mean, it may not still be in 2023, but mm-hmm. Colfax was the longest east-west running street in the country. Ah. And so... And honestly, if you've ever, 
either driven the whole thing mm-hmm. or been to certain parts of it. They're very different. Oh, yeah. Um, some are nicer than others, mm-hmm. but the general rule of thumb with most of it, like I say, growing up a, a part of my childhood, for 10 years we lived a block off of Colfax. Oh, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're just a couple blocks west of the uh, Lowry Air Force Base. Okay. And so it was definitely like if you're going to drive on Colfax, make sure your doors are locked because they didn't lock automatically back then, mm-hmm. you know. And it wasn't like there were going to be bullets flying. It was just if you're at a stoplight, you're going to mm-hmm. want those windows up and those doors and locked because you don't know. Yeah. It was interesting because – and again, going back to just – I'm way into color history. It's mm-hmm. just something I really love mm-hmm. um, is just – most of the West, not just Denver, not just Colorado, tended to be, especially those first, you know, 50, 75 years, mm-hmm. um, the earlier days of coming. Be- people, the reasons people tended to come were not because they, you know, packed up their excess of money and all the things <laughs> they had and, you know, and rented this big, beautiful caravan and came out to, you know, start something big. Mm-hmm. It was the outcasts. It was mm-hmm. the outlaws. It was mm, people who came because they had no choice. They mm-hmm. had no money. They were, um, you know, they'd been rejected by family or whatever. They were wanted by the law. Yeah. So we were a mishmash of, you know, unlikely characters. Right. And um, yeah, not just landing here with endless mm-hmm. wealth and opportunity. And mm-hmm. um, if you made something of yourself, it was hard and it was yes. luck and it was, you know, mm-hmm. probably probably some shady things no matter who you were that yeah. you had to do. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was very overarching too is mm. yeah. everybody's kind of down on their luck in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, and scrabbling. Yeah. They're not all trying to – yeah. the lawyer thought he was going to be rich. Oh, Yeah. Um, and then that was a huge blow. But a lot of them were just eking out that existence, mm-hmm. which has been the case here largely. And maybe a lot mm-hmm. of other places too, but from the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. Definitely. And, and now we've gone full 180. Now people are moving here with money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. They came later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which mm-hmm. is though creating that disparity of people who've been here three, four generations, five generations who mm-hmm. now can't afford to – continue to be right. and then those areas are either being gentrified mm. or they are mm-hmm. um isolating people to stay in that area mm-hmm. well that that really ties into uh now that you mentioned that uh, i think it's called like let me pull up my table of contents here mm-hmm. i think it's called like north side yeah the one with yep. uh, mm-hmm. the two hispanic mm-hmm. uh, yeah mm-hmm. They, they, you know they've been down you know on on their mm-hmm. luck this whole time, and then they're seeing the whole world around them changing, and, yeah. and then they're getting displaced. And that I, I was a little confused. I was like, I feel like the main character was definitely the the original shooter, and then he gets his cousin killed. Yes, uh-huh. uh, I mean, yeah. I, that's what I got at the end of the story. I was like, yeah. no, this guy was the original shooter because as soon as something mm-hmm. happens, the shooting stop. And you're right, like, oh. yeah, right, right, right. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And I mean, I remember <clears throat> what listening. To the news, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up as a kid and you hear about this intersection and this, you know, neighborhood, this part of town. And you kind of mm-hmm. know the little sprinkles of where you like just don't ever want to be. Mm-hmm. But there are stories on the news. Mm-hmm. So you're removed from it. And even though sure. none of this is like historical fact, right. you know, it is fiction. Um, I do think for me it took a very, you know – person who grew up pretty sheltered Mm -hmm. and was like, wow, this really was part of Denver and not 
not just a headline on a new on the news mm, with a mm. couple of names and an intersection. Yeah. And I actually really appreciated that as mm-hmm. hard as it was to be like, yeah, you know what? Things do happen in this city that oh, yeah. I need to actually be okay with experiencing some pain from, mm-hmm. you know, like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, someone, someone out there is, is actually suffering, yeah. you know, more than just being announced on the news. Mm-hmm. So exactly. these stories were great for that. Do you think any of these stories could be expanded into a full length book? You had some thoughts on this one, Denise? I thought pieces everywhere could have, everyone could have, except, oh, um, backstory. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little backstory and mm-hmm. maybe even, um, some other characters yes. there. Mm-hmm. It could have been because it could have got a span of a few more decades. Yes. It could have gone into, yeah, like you say, a little bit more of, of the beginnings of it. Mm-hmm. But I thought on Grasmere Lake would have been really good just because, mm-hmm. like you said, kind mm-hmm. of one of those where it ended and not as many loose ends tied up. Mm-hmm. I think it could be good to flesh out more. Yeah. You know, he doesn't talk as much about his significant other right. in this. Right, right. Just, that was very one-sided. I was like, yeah. wow, you're doing something wrong. and blaming your wife for everything. And <laughs> yeah, not fair. Yeah. And he was so like just – he seemed so almost numb to her mm-hmm. pulling away. Like He's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know I missed dinner with her and I missed this and I'm always gone. And mm-hmm. she's telling him – you know, you. you aren't here mm-hmm. for me. And a lot of times physically you're not here. You're mm-hmm. leaving You're leaving when you know we should be doing something together. Right. We always have. But mm-hmm. it was very like just factual, not, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I should have an emotional connection to this. I was like, yeah, right. you are a sociopath if you are not <laughs> hurt by this. Yeah, exactly. You know, not, not acknowledging her pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought that one had – and wasn't quite as – it was more eerie thriller mm-hmm. than yeah. than the super like violent mm-hmm. of the others. I think there was a little bit more ways to weave that mm. into exactly. a, a bigger story. Yeah. There are many popular films that have been adapted from short stories. And we mentioned a couple at the beginning uh, with the film noir, uh, a number of the most classic film noir uh Films were based on short stories by people like uh, Dashiell Hammett, uh, Raymond Chandler. Which of these stories in this anthology do you think could be adapted into a show or a movie? Honestly, I could see the whole book itself being oh, wow. uh, There's a project. its own movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking something like, have you guys seen Crash or Monsters oh, yeah, of Men? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monsters of Men, probably a little bit closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like a lot of these stories, they were very contemporary and you could, yes. you know, things could be happening side by side. You could have the lawyer on this, um, mm. like Havana going through his struggle mm-hmm. and then you have a serial killer in Sloan Park yes. <laughs> going on. Sure. And so you're kind of like just hopping <laughs> back and forth and, you know, all of these things are happening simultaneously mm. um, because that's what the city is. Uh, yes. Right. Mine is the parts and pieces one uh, or mm. pieces of everyone. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah. Parts uh, and pieces. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> it kind of was. It but really was. Maybe yeah. that one not so much is because it yeah. precludes everything, but I, I could uh-huh. see the whole anthology and I, oh, maybe that would make it a little bit more, more interesting. Uh, yeah. Just because yeah. like, you know, sometimes life happens and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. instead of them being separate things, now you have 
separate stories within the same story happening at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. um, if you haven't seen Monsters and Men, I, I have not that seen movie. that movie. It's one, a great but, movie. Oh, my. That really did. Yeah, I hadn't <laughs> thought of doing it as a whole, <laughs> but I could really see that being portraying the heartbeat of Denver. Yes. You know, because if mm-hmm. you've got like ghosts going on in Auraria mm-hmm. and you've got all those, yeah, I actually really like that idea. I hadn't thought of it like that. I was mm-hmm. thinking individual stories. Right. Yeah. I guess that's how I pictured it too. It's just, I, okay, I got to pick one. Okay. I picked Sangre, the the one that you just mentioned about Auraria mm-hmm. uh, by Diel Cordero. And they, uh, oh my, uh, where to begin? They evoke a, a, a family. Uh, a displaced family and explain the displacement and um, also it it veers in well no it doesn't veer it goes right into uh, fantasy I would say Mm -hmm. Um, uh, where the the protagonist ends up meeting a relative who has passed on and uh, it's uh, centered around uh, Dia de los Muertos when the, the I guess you'd say the the distance between you and your dead loved ones is a little bit less. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, just reading that story, and I'm getting goosebumps right now because I can remember the initial impression was, oh, my God, this is a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, uh, particularly when the main character goes back to his neighborhood, which has been their neighborhood, which has been raised, it's been leveled mm-hmm. um, to make way for uh, an institution, I guess you'd say, in Denver these days, Metropolitan State University Campus Auraria, used to be a very vibrant neighborhood of people of color. And it was basically bulldozed to a great extent. Mm-hmm. And this, the family that uh, Diel Cordero is focusing on uh, has lost their home. It's, it's obviously put a great deal of stress on the family, you can you can just pick that up. But mm-hmm. the the main character goes back to uh, her neighborhood and encounters her her dead aunt. Mm-hmm. And there's a very empowering sequence there where um, the the neighborhood reconstructs itself. Mm-hmm. And the the description of things coming back together, I just saw in my head in blazing color. I thought mm-hmm. this could be an animated sequence in a in a film. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I, I just got. I didn't get to that, that story. Just oh, I gave I'm up sorry, you did. But oh, you know, that, that one is so good. <laughs> um, that that just gave me chills. Yeah. And honestly, I could totally see that being a Guillermo del Toro movie. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yes. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Um, yes and yes. one thing about that movie is that. You, you don't realize – you can't really tease apart if, if this is actually happening to the main character uh-huh. or are all the stresses of change and life that she's mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. having her create this imaginary mm-hmm. world right. for that to be, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to be able to live in because she, yes. she can't cope can't with what's going on. Yeah. So almost mm-hmm. with this film, you know, you, you, you mentioned like an animated film, like kind of like maybe like Coco, were you thinking? Mm-hmm. You're super right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you were describing it, yeah. I was actually imagining a very Guillermo del Toro kind of gloomy kind of like oh, I can this see is it. happening. Yeah. And, you know, is she actually meeting her aunt mm-hmm. or is it the, the psychological stress of losing mm-hmm. uh, their, their home right. neighborhood, their, you know, their – yeah. Being displaced yeah. by whatever reason it is, which mm-hmm. ha- tends to happen to a lot of you know people mm-hmm. of color, and mm-hmm. and that's a very stressful thing. You know, you of you course. feel that tightness in your chest, and so it's like yeah. 
is this reconnection with their family? Is this an actual thing that's happening? Or, right. or is, is it, it, yeah. it it's and, their you anchor, know, you know, psychically to, to hang on and right. keep going when things are so hard? I Gosh, I love this story, mm-hmm. but it is the one that brought me to the brink of crying. Ah, uh-huh. um, but, and partly because I I went to school at Metro State you did. for mm-hmm. part time for a long time, mm-hmm. and you know I went in the mercantile and you know mm-hmm. got a snack now and then, which um, that is part of the row of houses they kept right the historic yeah. buildings right, and so I have that visual, you know, I I walked across the campus and had Mm -hmm. classes in so many different buildings and, Mm -hmm. you know, went in the Tivoli thinking about, and I knew the history of the church there. Oh, really? Yeah. And I- St. Cajetan? Is that the right? St. Cajetan's. Yeah. And it actually had, had, um, has connections, if I'm not mistaken, also in, where there was another, there was a synagogue there as well. I think you're right. Um, So knowing some of that history, Mm -hmm. but- so in my mind, I'm seeing bulldust houses and rubble mm. and I'm understanding, you know, so there's a little bit of guilt mm. of like I gained from yes. someone else's loss. Yes, yes. Although they have made a huge push in the last seven, eight years for, um, I mean, I think especially after they um, became Metro State University Mm -hmm. for opportunities for Latina, Mm -hmm. Latino, Latinx. Particularly the displaced Um, families where they can trace that. uh, Yes. They've they've made, uh, I guess you'd say reparations Mm -hmm. for the destruction of that neighborhood. And I think that's... That's good. Yeah, it's something. I don't know it's if it's something. enough. No, yeah, right. Yeah, but seeing those, you know, the idea of like what ghosts might still be there. Mm-hmm. What you know, when you're in a space and you're kind of like, oh gosh, this feels different. Mm-hmm. You know, because before that, early early history, there were Arapaho not far from there, just a little exactly. bit north of there, exactly. and there, you know, a lot of things because actually. Auraria was one of the first cities. And so it was mm-hmm. Auraria and Colorado City. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, okay, well, which one's going to be the capital? This oh, was like 1850s, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And Auraria did not become it. Was, it was Colorado City instead, which then became Denver. Right. Which is confusing because mm-hmm. we actually do have a Colorado City. Still. Yeah, it's just really far south. <laughs> so it was well steeped in it. But yeah, the descriptions of the rebel. Mm-hmm. The descriptions of the interactions of the mm-hmm. family. Um, it was one that I think best tied it to a place. Very much. And the, yeah. the loss, I, I think you could – it wasn't as violent, mm-hmm. but it really brought you through it. And yeah, like I say, I just was on the verge of crying. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm with you. It's a whole lo- different type of trauma, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And realize. I think a slower trauma mm-hmm. because then they go back and work on the building. Right. Because they need the money. Right. Well, they work like, on the, the yeah. It's like property. that saying. It's like if you put a frog in boiling water, yes. mm-hmm. it like will jump out of the water yes. right. immediately because of the pain, right? Right. Yes. But if you bring up the heat slowly mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. boil the frog mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it'll die because it will know. Except in this case, the frog knows. Yes. Right. It's being boiled and it's it like, well, what does. can I do about it? Yeah. Right. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. What character in the book would you most like to meet? Did you have a favorite there, Denise? <laughs> um, there were a few, and mm-hmm. I actually I think she was one of them. Yes, uh, talking mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Rio would have been a great opportunity to gain a lot of insight and empathy mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to an experience and a culture that's different from mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was definitely one on my list. 
that um, I think could have been more than just a cup of coffee mm-hmm. <laughs> for gotcha. sure. And our final question, and it's kind of broad, uh, but what feelings did this book or any of its stories evoke for you? A lot of frustration uh, with, with a lot of the characters doing this because they're in a place where they, they can't really get out. But at the same yes. time, it was like I saw myself in a lot of these um, mm-hmm. characters um, just because – you know, me being a person of color, it's mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I've, I've had that happen to me <laughs> yeah. type of thing. Um, yeah, right, right. And uh, the other thing, too, I um, also felt a lot of, like, I guess uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, with mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, you know, there's, like, the, the story, No Gods. Um, mm-hmm. it, it got to a point where, like, even though the, the main character herself was, you know, part of the LGBTQ community, mm-hmm. there was a lot of terminology that in there that I just, you know, the character saying that yes. uh, uh, regarding other LGBTQ people, and I mm-hmm. that story I read through two pages. I'm like, I can't. This is mm-hmm. it. Just made me feel gross. Just uh-huh. hearing all these mm-hmm. you know terms that I'm mm-hmm. like, I no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I think it's frustration and sometimes grossness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, I mentioned before that you know the one story that wanted. To- throw the book at the wall and just give up uh, the uh, life of little consequence uh, just for the um, injustice, the uh, the situation that the main character, Lavanda, was trapped in. Uh, there was no way out, uh, but I still thought she was going to survive because she seemed to be the kind of person who survives. Mm-hmm. She had already been through so much in her life, and it just felt doubly outrageous uh, that, that she died in the end. So mm-hmm. that was frustrating. Yeah. Uh, other stories. Uh, f- um, following the uh, the paddleboard psychopath into <laughs> his descent into evil was, I don't know, creepy? Kind of reminded me of some stories by Edgar Allan Poe where mm-hmm. you watch yes. a person yes. who seems, at least at the beginning of the story, to be perfectly rational, mm-hmm. but you just kind of follow that person into the depths and... and uh, it's it's spooky. It's mm-hmm. creepy. Uh, so that felt more like horror. And again, this kind of points up um, how this whole anthology plays with the idea of what typical noir is. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, it kind of kept me reading because, oh, what are they going to do next? Again, the, the Sangre uh, story uh, was just so fully fleshed out. I think that's part of the reason why I enjoyed it. Uh, and... Uh, also, just the, the the pictures that started to flow through my mind was just a fantastic experience. And uh, I can capitalize on the story you mentioned too, Denise El Amero, which was probably my next least favorite story because, again, the moral ambiguity of the whole situation. This person who is already maybe a little shady himself, but he's thrown into a situation that is just literally impossible. Do you... Do you sacrifice yourself? Do you sacrifice someone else? And and that's all he can see. Uh, And, uh, yeah, it's got to be one of the most difficult stories I've read in a long time. So it's frustrating. Yeah. One thing I was hoping from this book, too, was uh, how you say moral ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I didn't see any of these stories. But I was really hoping to see, like, somebody do everything right. Mm. And still go wrong, oh, and that, yeah. that's kind of what I was hoping we didn't for. Quite get to that. Too. <laughs> um, I was really hoping um, 
from the north side nocturne which is again the, the oh, two yeah. hispanic um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was i was really like striving for like pity because he, he seemed to be the the mm-hmm. more aware of what mm-hmm. to do things mm-hmm. i was really hoping that was going to be his thing like yes. he did everything right his, you know his cousin you know the, mm-hmm. the narrator you know um I was thinking like something's gonna happen with this guy. Something mm-hmm. is gonna go bad when you know <laughs> uh, something in the alley is gonna happen. He's gonna go bad, and yeah. um, I was really hoping you know Petey was gonna be the opposite. It's like he did everything right, right, but then at the end things go wrong and things go horrible for Petey. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes <laughs> but, they do. Uh, he was kind of almost like a side character. There's potential for him to be like you know what I want to be the voice of reason. I want to be the voice mm-hmm. for my people mm-hmm. and try so hard, mm-hmm. and then. With how unjust, you know, America is, mm-hmm. I felt anyway type of thing. At this point, what that story was, what brought on his demise wasn't the situation that he was in, yeah. but it was his own cousin. Uh, yeah. So it's a, a, a little bit right. uh, a little self-deprecating there, which mm-hmm. is like yeah. we, we bring our own people down, yeah. which that sometimes happens, you know, sure. in, in our culture. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly not that. So I didn't like that. I, I yeah. like that's, that's yeah. that story. Another frustrating one. I kind of felt like Colfax and Havana was a little bit that too because the lawyer <laughs> was trying, was working hard, was did have <laughs> dreams and ambitions and and had started simple and had the plan mm-hmm. and was just, you know, hanging out that shingle to to do these kinds of take on these kinds of cases that did help people. Yes. Um and didn't pay a lot and right. you know kind of accepting I need to pay my dues. I know I'm not where all my other colleagues who I'd gone to law school with were at. Right. But he was just going to do this and he was helping people, helping mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. then you know this one thing happens and he loses that potential million dollar and then that just <laughs> leaves him like you don't have your friend. Yes. Someone's got to take care of the daughter. You don't have your you've lost your career. Mm-hmm. He came close I think to yeah. being that sort of character. Mm-hmm. That was trying to do it all right and still got it taken away. I guess, yeah, I guess you yes. can see that, yeah. But again, I mean, his loss wasn't quite as much. It was more indirect, mm-hmm. yeah. except that it was monetary. I, Yeah, I had a lot of frustration. I had a lot, probably a greater gamut of emotions hmm. um, mm-hmm. than in a lot of other books and sto- especially fiction that I've read. Uh-huh. But there was just a lot of times that my brain's just going, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here, whether it was just I don't want to be reading this or just like, you know, you get transported into that place. Mm -hmm. I think some of it's because it was so different. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't – I mean, yes, we grew – there was a lot of times that it was like we weren't that far from Colfax. It wasn't a terrible Mm -hmm. neighborhood. We grew up in Montclair. But it still was like make sure things are locked, like don't do anything Mm -hmm. stupid, but Mm -hmm. you can still live your life. Yes. So to be reading about something where it was like – Life can invade your home, can invade your work, these Mm -hmm. things, you know, where is your safe space? And so for me, it was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. I want Mm -hmm. to be done. Like, no. Right. But yeah. And that helplessness, a little bit of hopelessness Mm -hmm. and that just that constant kind of survival mode in a lot of them. Yes. Um, But I really was, my brain really did kind of glom on to, on Grassmere Lake because, There's this little piece of me that's, you know, pretty justice oriented that was like, yes, but he has that little element of hero complex mm-hmm. that made him not just an evil person. Right. You know, it wasn't just 
like, hello, Clarice, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like, I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm stopping this guy who's he's beating his partner. I'm right. stopping this guy who's beating his dog. So he has empathy and he, mm-hmm. you know, he feels that sense of, gosh, this is wrong. And, and yes. some, there is pain and hurt and it's not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have agency to change it. Yeah. yeah. And a little creativity yeah, and a lot of practicality. He's uh-huh. like, the world needs to not have these people here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I loved it. it was like he's she's buying old rusty um workout weights from garage sales. <laughs> like who carries that out on a paddleboard? <laughs> Alrighty then, you know. So I was fascinated. Yeah. What's what's funny was uh I was uh house sitting for a friend and I was walking his dog and mm-hmm. you know, um I walked by this house uh had a garage sale and there was like a bunch of like five pound weights and I immediately thought of oh, the guy. I was like, oh <laughs> <laughs> you have a dog and weights. Oh, yeah. wow. That's the whole story is here. Well, thanks so much, Denise and Edward, for a lively and thoughtful discussion of Denver Noir. Our next pick is Kristen Iverson's Full Body Burden, Growing Up in the Nuclear Shadow of Rocky Flats. This is Iverson's story of growing up in a small Colorado town close to Rocky Flats, a secret nuclear weapons plant. It's also a book about the destructive power of secrets family secrets, and government secrets. Her father's hidden liquor bottles, the strange cancers in children in the neighborhood, the truth about what they made at Rocky Flats. Best not to inquire too deeply into any of it. But as Iverson grew older, she began to ask questions and discovered some disturbing realities. As this memoir unfolds, it reveals itself as a brilliant work of investigative journalism, a shocking account of the government's sustained attempt to conceal the effects of toxic and radioactive waste released by Rocky Flats, and of local residents' vain attempts to seek justice in court. Based on extensive interviews, FBI and EPA documents, and class action testimony, This taught, beautifully written book promises to have a very long half-life. Full Body Burden is available in print and CD audiobook formats from the Longmont Library and in ebook and e-audiobook formats from the Front Range Downloadable Library. So, grab this title in your favorite format, read it, and join the conversation. We'd love to hear from you. Please see our program notes for info on how to share your comments and questions with us. And thanks so much for listening to Book Chatter, the book club for busy people. 